name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I asked you to listen to one of the sermons online, just to encourage each one to know how to read a book. We spoke before about reading a book, we don't need to take anything in it as it is, in fact, we need to criticize some of what is written, because it is not the Bible, it is written by an author, to see what matches my belief, what doesn't match my belief, and what is missing also from our faith in the church. So, we'll go today in, in parallel with the book, with the, uh, some words on, of St. Cyril the Great, to see how we can match both of them, how we can correct some of the sayings of Neil Anderson, and also how we can add what is missing to Neil Anderson. So at the beginning, let me share with you this quote. All the quotes today are from St. Charles the Great. We too shall be sons of God, not like him in exactitude, but by grace in imitation of him. We hear many times today that we are going to be like Him. What Christ has as a Son of God, He has it by nature. And what we have is by adoption through grace. So it's very important to make this distinction in every single verse. We are invited to be in Him like Him, but what we are going to obtain is by grace and through adoption. What Christ has is by nature. Then he continued, for his very Son, existing from the Father, this is the nature of the Son of God, we adopted by his kindness through grace, receiving, I have said, you are God's and all of you are children of the Most High. So it's very important to find out the difference between us as children of God and Christ as the Son of God. Back to our book, let me quote this from Neil Anderson. Our first talk, our acceptance in Christ. I'm accepted in Christ. The second one, we make it in a workshop. I'm secured in Christ. The third one, I'm significant. It will be another talk. But again, before reading Neil Anderson, let me show you something and please share with me what is missing. You know the name of the book, Who I Am in Christ. But did you, those who read the book, yet? Did you find a way how to be in Christ? Did he mention at all how to be in Christ? Because he was saying, I'm accepted in Christ, I'm secured in Christ, I'm significant in Christ. But how to be in Christ? To receive all these things? I see. Yes. <laughs> yes, this is very important. What we are trying to see now in the writings of St. Cyril the Great, that to be in Christ is my repentance being Eucharistically one body with Christ. This is the only way mentioned in the Bible, is to repent, to choose to be in Christ, and by this choice you are united with Him in the Eucharist. Otherwise, it's the theory of being in Christ. But we are not talking about theory, it's the reality of being one body with Christ through the Eucharist. This is, just put it in your mind, this is a big difference, a big missing point from the book. The book is a great book. We'll criticize a few things, but it's a great book. But to see how to be in Christ, and we'll see it from the saying of St. Cyril, all of them connected to real life of repentance, and through this Eucharistic union, we can enjoy being accepted and secured and significant. 
So first, if to, we'd like to discuss this acceptance. This is page 20. Neil Andrews said we cannot do anything to qualify for unconditional and voluntary love. We labor under the false assumption that if we live perfectly, everybody will accept us. Which is a big lie. And he's giving us this example. While there was one who lived his life perfectly, the Lord of course, and everyone on the cross rejected him. So if I believe that by doing something I will be accepted, it's a lie and a waste of time and even I am wasting my effort in trying to please others, to, be, to feel that I'm accepted by them. Why? Because the most perfect man who lived a perfect life, he was rejected. The Lord incarnated in the flesh. So what we will go through now in how to be accepted or to see this acceptance, it doesn't belong at all to things I'm going to do to please others. It is to things that I'm going to do and to perceive and to believe from God Himself. So the first thing, I'm God's, God's child. The verse is very famous and we pray it every day in the morning prayer, John 1.12. But as many as received Him, to them He gives the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name. And then let me read a passage here and hear your opinion in it. Page 27. If you have the book, please, page 27. He's saying here, Making this distinction is critical. If I thought it was my obedience that determined whether or not I should stay related to God, I would be subjecting myself again to legalism. And if I did, I would logically conclude that I was related to God by my obedience. So if I disobeyed, I would lose my relationship with Him. But that is not true. You are saved by grace through faith, not by works. What do you think of this statement? Let me read it again. Making this distinction is critical if I thought it was my obedience that determined whether or not I would stay related to God. I would be subjecting myself again to legalism. And if I did, I would logically conclude that I was related to God by my obedience. So if I disobeyed, I would lose my relationship with Him. But that is not true. You are saved by grace, through faith, not by works. Can you tell me how true and how untrue this statement? Hmm. But can you find a confirmation or a refutation to this statement in the scripture? Can you open with me please Romans 8? To see if we can refute or agree or partially agree with this statement. Open please Romans 8.14. He is trying here to refute the cause that by our obedience you are children. He said, by this obedience you are still children. Let me read with you this verse, Romans 8.14. He said, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, there are sons of God. 
Here there is a big difference between my calling and my real status. We are called to be children of God and this is the way we are accepted. But there is a big difference between enjoying this sonhood or having the title only. Definitely if I have a son, he will remain my son even when he is disobedient. But he is not enjoying my fatherhood and I am not enjoying my, his sonhood. So it's very important to find out that our obedience is the way to enjoy this relationship, this childhood of God. But to take obedience totally out of the scene is not right. Why? Because he added even in the same chapter, same page, we are not saved by how we behave, we are saved by how we believe. Is there a contradiction here? We behave with what we believe. So both are one. As we spoke before, I can't make a difference between my belief and my behavior. If I believe in something and behave in a different way, it means I'm a hypocrite. I'm not a real child, I'm not a real son or daughter of God. So we can't separate between behavior and belief. We can't separate between our calling and our obedience to our calling. We miss out. As a very famous verse, John 3, 16, God loves the whole world, but does the whole world enjoying this salvation? Definitely not. Why again? Because of obedience or disobedience? Acceptance or rejection? So we can't take obedience out of the scene. We have to put it in, in, right, in its right context. We can't take behavior away from belief because it's, it's one goal. I can't say I believe in it, but I don't behave in this way. And here what St. Cyril of Alexander explained to us the meaning of this great childhood. I am a child, but I need to live as a child, believe as a child, and behave as a child. He says, for since they received the Son through faith, we can't deny receiving the Son is by faith. Definitely this faith is translated into baptism, in an active life. They receive the power to be ranked among the sons of God. So upon our faith, we receive this power. For the Son gives what is His alone, and specially and of nature, to be in their power. Again, remember what we said at the beginning. Not in the ex exactitude, but it is by grace and through adoption. Setting it forth as common, what He has, His qualities, becomes ours. But this is through faith and obedience at the same time. And making this as a sort of image of the love for man that is inherited to Him and of his love for the world. For in none other way could we who bore the image of the earthly escape corruption. So I am accepted because I have this sonhood. And I am able by faith and behavior, belief and behavior, to escape this earthly corruption. I can say I accepted it, but I am still living in this earthly corruption. It ends up, for being partakers of him through the Spirit, we were sealed into likeness with Him and mount up the primal character of the image after which the divine scripture says we were made. I am restored. So this sonhood or this childhood of God is a restoration of what I lost in the first Adam. So I can't be literate to say I am a child whatever happened. I am a child whatever happened as far as I am sticking to Him. And still my decision is to follow Christ without compromise. Not to lose the power which is offered to us, His qualities, 
became common to me. So it's very important to recognize what is offered is greater than I can imagine, and I can belittle it, and I can make it common without any obligation. Whenever he's offering something, there's a personal obligation as well. Secondly, I'm Christ's friend. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Yes, I am accepted, because I am sure every one of us at one point said it, or heard it, or used to think of it, I have no friends. But what is offered here, Christ himself is my friend. And this friendship, definitely, as we said at the beginning, it's unconditional, but it depends on my faithfulness. Why we lose many friendships? Because I'm not faithful to this relationship. Here, Christ is offering himself, and as he mentioned as well, in the book of Proverbs, he is a friend that sticks more than a brother. But in which way? For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from the Father I have made known to you. He, doesn't, he didn't hide anything. If I have a relationship with his word, I am enjoying his acceptance as a friend. He didn't hide anything from us. He did so with the disciples, he did so with the whole church, and he's inviting every one of us to enjoy the fullness of this friendship. Again, Sincere is commenting on it as a reward. The reward of friendship with God, which was then seen in Abraham, first is immediately conjoined with the freedom which comes by faith. I can't say, he is my friend, I am his son or I am his daughter, I am living under this bondage of sin, and I can't enjoy the friendship. And now also it is seen in the Holy Disciples as the first fruits of a new generation. What they received, they received it as first fruits. St. Cyril said in another place, that every single thing the disciples received at the beginning, they received it as a first fruit for the whole church. And now we are enjoying what our first fruits has received it. And before all, Christ himself accepted it in his human nature, in his humanity, then offered to the disciples as first fruits, and then he gave it to us all. But especially for the resurrection, he mentioned he is the first fruit among many brethren, which no one yet experienced this except Christ. So we are following him, but this reward of friendship is for everyone who is accepting it. This acceptance is not a condition. But again, I can't say I'm accepted without doing anything. Yes, he loved me as I am, but he will never leave me as I am. He is befriended me as I am, but he is not going to leave me again as I am. And to enjoy this friendship, to enjoy any of these accepted characters, I need to work it out. To be committed to what I received, or what I have been accepted for. Thirdly, he says, I have been justified. And this one I need to hear from you more about. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean? We need to justify ourselves before people. We need to justify ourselves sometimes before ourselves. Or before my husband or wife or children or church members or whatever they are. 
But here I receive something by faith which enables me to have peace with God. Because sometimes I feel I need to do something to be justified. But he's telling us here by faith. And here when he is saying by faith, it's again an active faith. So if it's a gift, I have to stretch out my hand to receive it. You are my child. I'm saying no, you are not my father. By behavior and by, by belief as well. It's time to believe it and to behave accordingly. He's telling me you have been justified by faith. And this again what St. Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians 6, 11. You have been justified, washed, sanctified in the name of our Lord. Which he was saying we received it all in our baptism. It's time to activate it. You receive the full potential. Use the full power of what you receive. Again, St. Cyril is telling us, what does it mean to be justified? Since Christ has in his way become the source of life for us. The unjustified, they are dead. Now, Christ became the source of life. He said, I have life in myself, as the Father has life in himself. We who follow in his footsteps must not think of ourselves as living in the flesh any longer, but as having passed beyond it. Those who are justified are not seeing the scene in the present time. He is seeing the scenes from heaven, how God sees us now. We have been justified by our faith in Christ and the power of the curse has been broken. Always we hear it from some people, I am under a curse. I have no way to escape from this curse. Whether this curse in my finance, in my relations, in my work or whatever it is. Now the power of the curse has been broken. But it's time to enjoy it, to believe it and to behave accordingly. Christ coming to life again for our sake has put an end to the serenity of death. To be justified, it means I'm not condemned to death anymore. And Christ has destroyed this. And all our songs in the church during the Easter time, that this has been trampled upon it. And he has no power over us anymore. So when we think of each step and being accepted, Still, as we said at the beginning, it's the andric, the theo anastropy. It's uh, through the unity between God and man, through God's work, divine act and the human act. It's not only divine, not only human. Because sometimes you are fascinated with the title, I am like this without doing anything. And then I am very happy. And after a few days, I am down and very down, because I believe that I'm not a believer and I'm not a child of God because I'm not enjoying it. The reality is it's always divine human act. The reality is always theandric, divine union with human person to enable me to do and to enjoy what I can make by myself. I'm united with the Lord and one with Him in the Spirit, which is true. But again, I am united then I'm taking a response, not initiation. The initiation from Him is calling us to abide in Him and are in Him. But now I am taking the proper response to His initiation. Again, St. Cyril is teaching us what does it mean. When the life-giving Word of God dwelt in human flesh, He did something for you and for me. He changed it into that good thing which is distinctly His, namely life. So, 
our flesh, he was not able to be to receive anything. Now he took our flesh and changed it into the good thing, his life. And then what is going to happen? And by being wholly united to the flesh in a way beyond our comprehension, he gave it the life-giving power which he has by his very nature. So by uniting us with him, he has the full power. He is a source of life. When I unite myself with him in the Eucharist, starting from my baptism, then his very nature conveyed to me. His very life is conveyed to me. As we'll see in a few minutes, he is the vine and you are the branches. The very life of the branch is going or received from the very life of the vine itself. Therefore, the body of Christ gives life to those who receive it. This is the meaning of a proper unity. It, its presence in mortal men expels death and drives away corruption because it contains within itself, in its entirety, the world who totally abolishes corruption. And then here I am stumbled. Because I have seen some people, and even myself, having this power of the body of Christ, but it didn't abolish this or corruptibility from myself. Does it mean it is false? Is it untrue? Again, it says the divine part is still working, but my human part is not working properly. I'm not responding properly to this unity, this obligation. I am believing in something and behaving in a different way. And again, this is puts many people of God, of church, of church people, because they see them see, saying something too big and behaving very low or beyond these standards totally. What St. Israel is saying here, its presence in mortal men expels death and drives away corruption. If it's not yet, it means my personal, my human part is not working. I am called to be united. And he's offering all his power for this unity. But mine is nil. It doesn't work. So it's very important to see that I'm accepted to be united upon my role. It is a free gift, but I have to cooperate with it, to enjoy it. Number five, I belong to God. For you, are, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, to see some something belongs to someone who is great. We go, I'm sure, we went many times to many museums to see that this stick was used by a great man. Whether a great man of history, of God, or war, or whatever it is. Now he's pointing towards your bodies and saying, this is mine. This is God's temples. It belongs to God. But again, this belonging, what does it mean for you? From day one, when we were anointed with the Holy Christ, I said, I dedicate my eyes to you, my heart to you, my hands, my joints, my thoughts, everything. This is what God gifted to me. Again, to, set, to be holy is to be set apart. Set apart for a divine purpose. But if I am not using it according to my, my belief, then again I am losing this belonging to God. I'm not making it in a negative way, but I'm trying to make it in a balanced way. There is a gift, and there is an obligation for every gift. We studied before 
the epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians. The whole epistle is two, six chapters. The first three, God's gifts to us. The other three, God's our obligations toward God to enjoy the gifts, the privilege in the first three chapters. When you preach only the gifts and the privileges, we are very proud and very sinful in the same time. When you preach only the obligations, we are very stressed and are great despair because we feel we are burdened with so much, we can't do, know how to do it. But the reality or the balance, we receive such privilege to enable us to be in these obligations. And by doing these obligations, we are enjoying more of these privileges. So please put the balance always in your eyes, in front of your eyes, that we need both of them. We need the fullness of the privileges and the fullness of the obligations. I am a member of the body of Christ. Again, I am accepted because this is my calling. I can make it effective at any time. This is my potential, but not yet effective in the lives of many church members, sadly. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. It's, fa- it's a fact. But why I'm not enjoying this living membership? Because I'm not connected well with the head. I'm not obeying the head. If now my hand is not responding to the signals of my head, what does it mean? This part is paralyzed. It's not effective in the body anymore. So we can still relate it to the body, but not effective. By healing it, by the work of God, it can respond properly once more to the head. So please, it's a great privilege to be accepted, but do your part. To enjoy this privilege. Why I feel I'm not accepted? Because I believe that acceptance is unconditional, it will remain unconditional, and I have to enjoy it with any obligation. This is a lie. This is what you call it, the cheap grace. But the grace is not cheap at all. It's free only, but not cheap. And by being a member, it means I am responding properly to every hint, every call of the head of the body. Which again, enriches the relationship. I am not accepted away from the body, away from the head. I am accepted within the head. And this is very important because we discussed it yesterday. I am a saint, which is true. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. So, I heard yesterday a very nice statement. Are always saints and sometimes sinners. Not always sinners and sometimes saints, which is true. But how again to put it in a balanced context? How to enjoy it without being proud and how to enjoy it without being in a despair. How not to exaggerate in I am a saint or exaggerate from I am a sinner. What do you think? How we can make this balance? I'll tell you something. We say it every time in the liturgy, but in a very balanced way. The priest is saying the holies are for the holy. So he is confessing that the whole congregation who are going to have communion now are holy. They are saints. But the immediate response of the church is, one is the whole Holy Father, one is the whole Holy Son, and one is the whole Holy 
Holy Spirit. What does it mean? Out of humility, we say we are not holy by ourselves. But God only is the Holy One. And He accepted to be united with us. So He became the source of our holiness. It's not me by nature, as we said at the beginning. It's by grace through adoption. So I'm enjoying now the humility of being a sinner, which enables me to be a saint. Not only a saint, not only a sinner. That's why we used to say, we are full-time justified sinners. We started to read the book, because last weekend or last month, we have Dr. Namil Ba'i, who was trying to encourage us not to have low self-esteem. If you would like to know, with a small question, if you have this sort of low self-esteem, ask your question, if anyone is saying you are wrong, wrong in what you are saying, wrong in what, how you are behaving, what is your first response? Is it defending yourself? Is it attacking the others? Is it finding every excuse for it? It means I'm still not able to see the, seek this balance in my life. When I'm saying I'm full-time justified sinner, I know that I am a sinner. But I know by His grace, by His adoption, by His work in me, by accepting to be not with me, I become a saint. So the balance is very important. I am a saint, yes. Because I am confessing that I am a sinner. He is telling me you are a saint. The proof of it, St. Paul himself never mentioned I am a saint. But he, here how the church is telling us, this is the way we see you through the eyes of Christ. But St. Paul himself, he called himself, amongst whom I am the first, or the foremost, or chief sinner. And this, very nice if you go to see even the mind of St. Paul growing in the spirit. He said in 2 Corinthians 11, I say, out of my mind, I am better than all. This was nearly <coughs> eight years before his martyrdom. Five years later, he wrote to the Ephesians 3.8, I am the least among the saints. Few weeks before his departure, the last epistle he wrote, Second Timothy 1.15, he said, I am the chief sinner. By growing in the spirit, he recognized how sinner he is, and how saint he is in the same time. But at the beginning, the vision wasn't clear as such. To see that we are called to be saints through Christ, but not by our nature. Even the Lord himself in Luke chapter 5 verse 31 said, I came to call sinners. So those who are يعني, raising their hands, we are saints, we don't need Christ. But those who are raising their hands, we are sinners, Christ said, I am here for you to make you saints. The balance is very simple, but it's very crucial. To see how to be a saint is to profess I am a sinner. And I am justified full-time sinner. That's why when St. Paul said to the saints, he mentioned, if you go further, in verse 4, he said, who chose us to be blameless, Go to Ephesians 1.4, please. Ephesians 1.4 Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, saints, and without blame, before Him in love. That is His choice, His calling for us. 
wants to profess you are sinners, he is calling us, you are my sins. The 18th homily of Saint Macarius is confirming the same. We need to hold both thoughts in the same time. It's a balance. I am a sinner relying on your mercy. Then he is making me a saint and so on. It's always balanced. If the devil is coming and telling me you are a saint, I'm telling him I'm a sinner. If he's saying you are a sinner, I said I am a saint by his mercy and grace. It's very important to find this balance in every thought in my life. Again, Saint Cyril is explaining more for it. Yet we know that Christ offered his flesh for the life of the world from his own prayer. Holy Father, protect them. And from his words, for the sake I consecrate myself. The Son was consecrating himself for me and for you. By saying that he consecrates himself, he means that he offers himself to God as a spotless and sweet-smelling sacrifice. He is the only spotless and sweet-smelling sacrifice. When I am uniting myself with him, then I receive this sainthood, but by adoption and through grace again. He's pointing towards one thing, this oneness with Christ. In reality, there's a big difference between the theory or the teaching and the application. And the application, we received it by the means of grace. That's why we call the church sacraments, even the word of God, the mystery of the Bible, is the means of grace. To read the Bible, to repent, to have communion, to be baptized, they are the means of grace. Number eight, they have been adopted as God's child. And we spoke about this in the beginning. It's the whole theory or the whole masterpiece of it that we received it through adoption and by grace. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Again, it's a gift. To be adopted is a gift from the Father to those who are fatherless. But if now I am rebellious against my father, if I am not accepting to obey my new father who adopted me to this royal, holy, divine family, I'm not going to enjoy it. So again, I am accepted to be adopted as a God's child, but I have an obligation. What I would like to make it clear, I'm accepted, provided I am fulfilling my obligation in this acceptance. Now you can find someone from the street and you say, we accept you to live in our house. But here is the rule of the house. You are homeless, you have no, provide, no one to provide you any means of life, we are going to give you everything. Your only obligation is you come in time and you eat in the kitchen. So if I am not complying with this, I'm not going to enjoy it, because at one point, I might be out of this house again. Of course, the Heavenly Father is not to kick us out of His house, but we are not enjoying His providence, are not enjoying His sovereignty. If the food is only eaten in the kitchen and found in the kitchen, I'm not, I'm rebellious, I'm not going to the kitchen to eat. I'll be starving outside, because I'm not enjoying the rule of my Heavenly Father. So I am adopted as a child, I have an obligation as a new child adopted in a new royal family. St. Peter says that we are called to this royal family, royal priesthood. 
What does it mean? I have to behave first to believe that I am in this royal priesthood and to behave as a royal member of this royal family once more. Number nine, I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. But again, am I using it? I can say at any point, anywhere, our Father who art in heaven. But am I using it? And am I addressing really my heavenly Father? Or He knows what I want. For through Him, we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. We have the access. Did, did you use this access before? I'm accepted to have this access. But still, there is a human part. I'm not trying to exaggerate in the human part based on the divine part because when we rely only on the divine part we are more of idle idle and we are not doing anything so we need the balance definitely the divine part is too big and ours is too little but without my little part I'm not enjoying this access if I'm not opening my mouth talking to the Holy Spirit to take me through to this realm I'm still where I am so when we speak about direct access it's for all and it's unconditional but for those who are going to use it so again to be in Christ is a divine human act the divine is too big yes but still without the little human act I'm not able to enjoy this free acceptance from him Sensor is explaining more this access through the Spirit. Those who have sure hope, guaranteed by the Spirit, that they will rise again, lay hold of what lies in the future as though it were already present. They say outward appearance will no longer be our standard in judging, judging others. Our lives are all controlled by the Spirit now. This is what we said at the beginning. Those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. Not those who are called are real children. That's why the Bible is saying about real children and nominal children and religious children. But the real ones who accept and activate this relationship. And are not confined to this physical world that, it, that is subject to corruption. The light of the only begotten Son has shone on us and we have been transformed into the world, the source of all life. So the aim of the Spirit is to transform us to the world, to be different from the world, to be Christ-like, to encrypt in us once more the image and likeness of God. It is the work of the Spirit. It is a divine power that I can't resist. I can't own by myself, but it has been bestowed upon me. Then my human part is to respond properly. St. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, For his divine power has given us everything that pertains to life and goodness. This is, I can't comprehend, I can't get it by myself. But what I am going, or how I am going to respond to this divine power, it shows that now I have been transformed into the world, the source of all life. While sin was still our master, the bonds of this had a firm hold on us, but now that the righteousness of Christ has found a place in our hearts, we have freed ourselves from our former condition of corruptibility. It is a boldness we have through the Holy Spirit. 
So again, I, I have to examine myself where I am from this work of the Spirit. He has given me everything unconditionally and accepted me unconditionally. But am I enjoying what I have been accepted freely for it or not? I think one of the great paradox or even the great conflict in our minds as church goers or as believers, why I know the reality of what I have been offered and I'm still living a very weak and sinful life. This is why. Because I know it, but I'm not activating it. And sadly, sometimes we believe by knowing it is enough. No. By knowing it is a starting point. And all my life is to grow in the fullness of the potential that I have received or known by mind. So Saint Cyril is telling us the aim has been transformed into the world, the source of life. Then let us grow. Let us commit ourselves with obligations every day. Not for the sake of the obligation, because what I received is too much. Yeah, I think all of you know we have a wedding next month. Everyone is trying to make himself fitting in his costume, whatever it is. So we are working hard to fit. Willingly and joyfully, because it's a joyful day. How much more if I know that I need to be within this obligation fitting in the realm of the heavenly and royal wedding with our heavenly groom. So St. Israel is telling us it's time to behave as those have now freedom from the condition of corruptibility by obliging ourselves to fit through his power and through his adoption and by his grace in this royal family from the beginning. Since I am being redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Colossians 1.14 On whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And this again unconditionally. Isaiah 44.22 I have blotted your sins and forgiven your iniquities. Come, because I have redeemed you. It is done. But sadly, not everyone enjoying it. Many rejecting to repent. Many rejecting to confess their sins. Many, they take it as a theory. I know God has forgiven me. So what are you going to do? How you adore this forgiveness? Nothing. I'm going to sin more and more. And He is the forgiver of sins. Yes, He is the forgiver of sins. But it is not the way He planned it. He is seeking our sanctification. Holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. I have um, been redeemed and forgiven for all my sins. As if I am accepted and forgiven, come and enjoy the forgiveness. Come and enjoy the unconditional acceptance of your sins that you are accepted. But come and repent. St. John said, St. John the Baptist, and the Lord himself in his first statement in Mark 1.15 he was saying repent and believe in the gospel because the kingdom of God is at hand we don't have any other message and repentance is not only a message of the church it is the life of the church every single service in the church if it's not leading me to repentance and sanctification it is not a church service if every service in the church Every time we share the word of God is not pushing, encouraging each other to repent and to enjoy the unconditional acceptance of God, we are lying to each other and even deceiving 
and corrupting the word. When we say the word is saying so, yes, provided I am responding properly to it. Providing that I am acting as the Lord wants me to act. Finally, I am complete in Christ. You are complete in Him, who is the head of all principalities and power. Because sometimes when we seek because I miss something. Maybe I miss relations, miss success, miss forgiveness, whatever it is. But again, because I want to make something for myself. Again, the balance is, you can't make it, he is able to make it, accept it and respond properly to what he did. It's not you can make it alone, or lead him to make it alone. It is this divine human act. I'm accepted in this list of 11 or 12 points, but all of them, God has done something. Go inside it. Go in Him. And again, said, accept it in Christ. Be in Christ, it means believe and behave. Not only believe, as He mentioned, not only behave as others preaching, but believe and behave is one, one thing. When I believe in Him, I behave accordingly. If you go through the whole first section in the book is trying to confirm one thing which is very true. I am accepted because of the list. But not only because of the list, but because God's love has been bestowed and shown above all creation before even the foundation of the world. We know that His love, His salvation, His plan of salvation is eternal. Yet revealed in time for us 2,000 years ago in the person of His Son Jesus Christ. But the reality is, you can determine when you can enjoy this unconditional acceptance. It's not by preaching, it's not by reading, it's not by mentally being right. It is by receiving this unity in Christ, in reality, to be one body with Him, to act as a living member of this body, then all these unconditional acceptance are mine. Not by doing something, but by accepting and doing, and accepting before doing. Believing that He has done something, I can't make it. And no one on earth can do it for you, and you can't make it yourself. For His divine power has given us everything that pertains to life and goodness. What about you and me? I need to respond to this divine power, which gave me everything. But I need to enjoy the fullness of this accent. If I can enjoy this meaning of I'm accepted unconditionally because I'm going to respond properly, then if anyone is trying to annoy me from the beginning, I have no family, or my family is the least, I have no friends, everyone is deserting me, this is my low self-esteem. But if I am in Christ, again in Christ, it means I'm living an active life of repentance, uniting myself eucharistically with Christ, then all these things are mine. And every day I'm walking seriously. Every day I'm closing all doors in front of the devil. My fast is real fast. My prayer is a real prayer. Every single spiritual activity in my life is sincere. To receive something. Not because a church is fasting or a church is praying or a church is holding a Bible study. No. I have something personal in every single activity. The acceptance is not only this 11 or 12 points, it's more than that. It's the whole Bible is saying you welcome and He is offering His love to us. But it's time to respond properly in sincerity of heart. To cancel all these 
the double life we have, or this double-mindedness in our minds that I have these two thoughts, they are opposite, and I receive nothing. I was reading this morning James chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. St. James is telling us this person is double-minded. Let this man know that he is not going to receive nothing from the Lord. Holding these two opposite beliefs, or one right belief and one opposite behavior, this man will receive nothing from the Lord. We need to be single-minded, one direction, which is the direction of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ use you from now and forever and ever. Amen.